going to read from the Bible now. If you open up to page 565 of the Black Bibles and um, follow along, we're in Proverbs chapter 26, verses 17 through to 28. So that's page 565. Like one who grabs a stray dog by the ears is someone who rushes into a quarrel not their own. Like a maniac shooting flaming arrows of death is one who deceives their neighbour and says, I was only joking. Without wood, a fire goes out. Without a gossip, a quarrel dies down. As charcoal to embers and as wood to fire, so is a quarrelsome person for kindling strife. The words of a gossip are like choice morsels. They go down to the inmost parts like a coating of silver dross on earthenware, are fervent lips with an evil heart. Enemies disguise themselves with their lips, but in their hearts they harbour deceit. Though their speech is charming, do not believe them, for seven abominations fill their hearts. Their malice may be concealed by deception, but their wickedness will be exposed in the assembly. Whoever digs a pit will fall into it. If someone rolls a stone, it will roll back on them. A lying tongue hates those it hurts, and a flattering mouth works ruin. Okay, the next reading is from the book of James, chapter 3, starting at verse 1, and that's on page 1044 in the Church Bible. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what is what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. We'll take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they're steered by a very small rudder whenever, wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and it itself is set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue, we can praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we can curse human beings who've been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. This is the word of the Lord.
Well, good morning. This is my first Sunday back for the year. Been away for a couple of weeks, and it is good to see you. You can see many of you who are very familiar, and some who this is your first time with us. Uh, we went to church while we're away on holidays, and a reminded it is always a scary thing entering a church for the first time, even if you've been going to church for the whole life. So can I just say, if you're new with us, we see you, we welcome you. It is so good to have you with us. Uh, as a church, we want to welcome you. Hopefully, we do that after supper, uh, after the service over morning tea. Um, if you are a member of this church, can I encourage you this week, make it your priority, sign up to a connect group, uh, fill in that serve form if you've not done so. Uh, but it is a new year, and today, as we've been talking about, it's going to, we're calling this year the year of goodness. And we're going to look at a topic this morning that will impact the kind of year that you will have, where it will be a good year or a bad year like no other. There's not much we can do that can control how this year is going to turn out. But the thing we're going to look at today will influence, will determine whether you have a good year or a bad year, and it is something that you have control over. It is the words that you say. It is the words that we speak to people. You know, on average, you say about 7,000 words a day. Now, you dissect that a little bit more. Men say three to 5,000 words a day. Women say seven to 10,000 words a day, which may or may not be a surprise. But in the middle there is 7,000 words on average come out of your mouth a day. That's a short novel. Have you ever thought about or reflected upon the significance of the words that you say? Rarely do we stop and think, what is actually coming out of my mouth? What impact is it happening? You know, you can find a whole bunch of training courses to help you work on your posture, on your abs, on your biceps, your tries, your gut, your flexibility, your pronunciation, your articulation, your confidence, your persuasion. But very rarely will you find courses or focuses on what is the impact of the words that you're having on those that you rub shoulders with. The book of Proverbs in the Old Testament is a very practical book of how to live well in God's world. And its number one topic that it addresses, one out of seven proverbs, is on the tongue, is on the words that you say, far more than marriage, family, or money. One out of seven, because Proverbs knows, because God knows, the words that you say are profoundly powerful. On the screen is Proverbs 18, verse 21. No, not that one. Ah, we'll, I'll say it anyway. It may not be in the screen. Words are powerful. This is the proverb. Proverb 18 says this. The tongue has the power of life and death. This thing here has the power of life and death. Words can bring such life to a person, inspiration, energy, motivation, and you can bring such death to a person. You can crush someone. You can make someone feel flat, insignificant. And so what we're going to do is explore the words that we say and how they can bring death and bring life and how to train this muscle. We're going to do so in the next 20, 25 minutes. So let's look at the death, the words that bring death. You know, I was in school. Uh, I think we've got a photo, if I, am I right, of me in school? Oh, we're working on it. <laughs> They've got the wrong service up. Well, maybe we'll find a photo of me in school. When I was in year... Three, I remember Monday mornings with standard assembly, we went to Blacktown South Public School and we'd stand there. 
and uh, we'd say three things. The first thing was the national anthem. The second thing was the Lord's Prayer. A bit weird in the public school, but we'd say, that's why I learned the Lord's Prayer. And the third thing was a saying that went like this. Sticks and stones may, bake, may break my bones, but never bad words will hurt me. It, oh, there I am, right in the top with the mop. I learned a lot of good things at that school, but that phrase that I learned was absolute rubbish. I've had bones broken. I've had rocks thrown at me. They hurt. But the words that people have said have pierced like nothing else. They've hurt. Proverbs chapter 12 says, The words of, a reckless, of the reckless pierce like swords. They sting, don't they? And chances of I sat down with you and you looked back on your life, there are words that people have said, maybe your mum, your dad, maybe your teacher, kid at school, your boss, a close friend, words that people have said, just even one word, that pierce, that hurt, that sting, that leave a scar, that form the shadow of your life. And you realise it or not, they do shape the course of your life. Uh, I love cruise ships. I don't like going on them, but I like watching them, right? Looking from afar of how big a cruise ship is. You know, just going down to the harbour. They have big things. There's like an RSL on the water. I mean, it's huge, Right? And as I look at this thing, as it leaves the harbour, you know it's at the end of the day, moving this thing is just a rudder. Small in comparison, just a rudder that is moving this monstrosity of a thing through the water. In the book of James, it picks up this analogy. James chapter 3, verse 4 says, Take a ship as an example. Although they are large and driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body and makes great boasts. I wonder how much of your life is steered in a certain direction because of a word that someone said to you years ago. Let me give you two examples, two stories. Dean. Dean, as a teenage boy, was playing cricket with his brothers. And one day he hit the ball, and the ball went, ooh, smash into the window. His dad came out furious. You are such a disappointment. Why can't you be more like your brothers? His dad said. That word disappointment stung, caused a scar and a shadow over his life. And the rest of his life, he made sure he's doing things that he would never be a disappointment to his dad again. One word shaped his life. My mum, Sandy, uh, she remembers when she was in school and the teacher went around and said, all right, kids, what do you want to be when you grow up? And my mum said, I'd love to be a teacher. And the teacher laughs and <laughs> you'll never be a teacher. You're not smart enough, Sandy. You'll be a hairdresser. Those words shaped her life to where she wanted to prove that teacher wrong and shaped her life and she did one day become a teacher. It's amazing what a word does, how it shapes the rest of your life. One word. I wonder what words have been said to you. You're dumb. You're a mistake. You're ugly, you're a loser, you're fat, you're useless, you're a screw-up. You're a waste of space. Every single one in this person has had words said against us and they're a wound. They sting, they scar, they shadow. And they've shaped our life in all sorts of ways. We all have wounds. But if we're honest, we all have wounded others, yeah? 
things have been said to us, but we have also said things, said things intentionally. You know when we're angry, when we're frustrated, when they're jealous? You know, there's that person. Often they're quite close. They've hurt us, and so what do we do? We lash back. We say things. We hurt others. But often it's times, it's not just the intentional times, often a lot of things that come out of our mouth, we're just a bit careless about. Proverbs 26, it was read to us by Anna. Have a look at these three things. Proverbs chapter 26, verse 17, it says, Like the one who grabs a stray dog by the ears, not a good idea, is someone who rushes into a quarrel, not their own. Like a maniac, pew, pew, shooting flaming arrows of death, is the one who deceives their neighbor and says, Ah, I was only joking. Without wood, a fire goes out. Without a gossip, a quarrel dies down. Love those ones. Chances are, you probably connect with one of those proverbs. You think, ah, that's me. I love a good argument. I love a good joke. Love a good gossip sesh. But all three of them, they start innocently, don't they? You just find yourself in an argument. It's a perfect setup for a joke. It's so enjoyable rehashing what's happening in someone's life, you know, and calling it a prayer point. I love Proverbs 18, verse 8. It tells us why do we do these things? Where do we find ourselves? The words of a whisperer are like a delicious morsel. They go deep into other parts of the body. It's like a canapé. You know, delicious morsels. Yeah, I love canapés. You know, you're at a wedding or a, a party and the canapé platter comes around. Oh, it's like a small buffet and a plate. It's lovely. Like, and it just salivates. You still look at them and think, I'd love to try that. That is where we find ourselves. They're delicious. You know, you see two people having an argument and they know nothing about what they're talking about, but you do. It's salivating. You think, I've got to step in here. Right, oh, I've got to share my opinion. These guys, they don't know what they're talking about. And you just sort of wander in and say, I'm going to speak now. You see the perfect setup for a joke. You know, this is going to make people laugh. This is funny. I mean, you know, how could I not speak? And you're just sort of finding yourself and speaking. You see someone say, or hear someone say, hey, have you heard about what so-and-so is doing? Hey, do you want to know what's really going on behind the scenes? Do you know what it's like for me? Can you keep a secret? It's salivating, isn't it? It's, it's too delicious. It's like a morsel. We think, oh, how could I not go? And all of a sudden, we find ourselves carelessly using our tongues in ways that we shouldn't. And we don't appreciate the damage that we do. This is why James describes the tongue in another way, in chapter 3, but like this. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. You know, most Aussie summers where La Nina is not present, we are faced with bushfires. Remember those? It's been a couple of years now. But that is almost goes part and parcel with an Aussie summer where a fire ravages through coastal towns, country towns, national parks, and destroys property and animals and even lives. And then every now and then you find out a fire was started just by this. A couple of kids by dry grass 
And all of a sudden, boom. Now you ask those kids, why'd you do it? You know, why, why are you playing? You knew it was hot. And what do they say? We're just having fun. Just a bit of entertainment. We didn't think it'd get this bad. This bad. For them, it was just a little bit of fun. But the damage was immense. And friends, for us with our tongues, we do a lot of things just because it's a bit of fun. We just enjoy it. Get a bit of a high, a bit of a buzz. But we are unaware of the damage that we can do. You know, we think, well, I was just helping them solve an argument. You made the problem worse. You think it was just a joke. You know, they're too sensitive. But we left them feeling shamed and embarrassed. We think, well, it's just venting. I was just processing. I was just concerned. But in the end, we rubbish someone's reputation behind their back. And if they find out, all things blow up. If there is a fire, look for the spark that started it. And if you're finding in your life there's a lot of drama, look for the tongue that is setting things off. And it may be your own. Now, training the tongue is hard. Stopping enjoying this thing is very hard. I mean, it's easier to train a sloth to run fast than to stop this tongue from speaking gossip and jokes and all these kind of things. And I don't know about you, but as I reflect on the words that I've said, so much time I'm thinking, why did I say that? You think about the words, why did I say that? I mean, there's jokes I've made at other people's expense, people that I like. And I, why did I say that? That was stupid. There's lies that I've said to pretend to be something I'm not. Why did I say those things? There are words that I've said to my kids, to my wife, that are in, in, in frustration. Why did I say that? I want to take them back. I mean, I still remember when I was in school and I, I had a party and there was Trevor who was from a poor family and I invited him along. He said, I can come, but I can't afford a present. Can I still come? And I said, no. And that just haunts me. Like, why did I say those things? And I can give you a truckload of other things that I've said that I regret and they haunt me. The only thing that has helped me dealing with the, the horrible things that have come from my lips is one place, and that is the cross. Because there, not only do I see Jesus pinned to the cross, but I see every single word that I've said that has hurt someone pinned there also. That he went to the cross there and he took every word, the cruel jokes, the lies, the gossips, the whinging, the judgments, and he pinned it on himself and he took my record and deleted it. Free, gone. You know, it's interesting, there's a proverb that says, Who guard, whoever guards his mouth preserves his life. And that's true, except for Jesus. You know, it's interesting, in the lead up to Jesus' death, he was profoundly silent. He guarded his mouth, but did that preserve his life? No. He guarded his mouth. He kept silent and was found guilty. Why? Because he knew the words that you and I would say that would hurt others. Where we should have held his tongue, he held his tongue in our place. Where we should have kept silent, he was truly silent and he went to that cross so that every wrong word, every word that you've said, whether intentionally or carelessly, could be taken from you and he would pay the punishment. He was guilty, not because of his guilt, but your and I guilt. And you're free. So those words that you've said 
no longer have to haunt you. But you know, it's more than that. Because often there's the words that we've said, but what about the words that have been said to us? They hang over us, don't they? Like a shadow. This is why when you come to Christ, He gives you new names. He gives you new words to speak over your life, that you are now a daughter, a son, holy, chosen, redeemed purpose. It's like the boy in Africa, the boy who was born and abandoned by his family, and he lived on the streets, and he was given the name Asani, which means rebellious one, troublemaker, bad. And everyone called it Asani. There goes Asani. And so later in life, Asani was adopted into a family, had the choice to be adopted into a family. His parents said, we want to welcome you into our family, but we want to give you a new name. You're no longer Asante. We want to call you Alafemi, which means loved by God. That will be your new name. He said, but I'm Asante. I've always been, no, no, no. From now on, you will be Alafemi because you are no longer the bad one. You are loved by us and loved by God. And friends, when you come into the Lord Jesus He gives you a new name, many names, and it takes a while to sink in of who you truly are because those wounds that people have said to you, gee, they run deep. But if you meditate on the fact that the Word, the Word became flesh, Jesus Christ, and gives you new words that will never be taken away, that will shape and change your life like nothing else. So let's get practical. Let's talk about words that bring life. How do you go about training this tongue, bringing life to others? How do you do it? Because if you read James, it almost feels like it's impossible. And this side of Jesus returning, it is, right? You ain't going to stop this tongue from speaking ill of others, this side of glory. But the Holy Spirit who is in you as a Christian gives you new spiritual life and can train this tongue where you can bring your words under control. See, whenever that happens, good can happen, right? When you control this tongue, you will bring good into your life and to the lives of others. So let's start practically with the hardest situation that you find yourself when it comes to controlling your tongue. When is it? When you're having a fight, right? Proverbs 15 says this, The soothing tongue is a tree of life. Perverse tongue crushes the spirit. Unless you're going to spend the rest of your life on a deck chair with a pina colada reading a book, you will fight with the people in your life, right? You will have disagreements, you'll have arguments, right? But the key is a soothing tongue. Whether it's in families, marriages, friendships, a soothing tongue is what's key. What does it look like to have a soothing tongue? You know when you're angry, when you're upset, what's the number one default that we all do? We blame. We attack, right? We say things like, you always, or you never, right? You're always on your phone. You never listen. You never appreciate. You're always at work. I asked you to do one thing, and every single time you fail to do that. Why are you making such a big deal? You always over-exaggerate, right? Sound familiar? Some of the things we would have said this week, right? We blame, we attack. That's our default with this thing. We're trying to force empathy, right? Go hard so that you sort of break and then you realize the pain that you're causing me. It doesn't work. It makes things worse. Here's the soothing tongue. Rather than blaming attack, saying, when you did this, when you said this, I felt dot, dot, dot. Training your tongue from you always, you never to, when you did this, I felt, I feel, I felt like 
You treated me like a child. I felt like you didn't care. I felt undervalued, underappreciated. That is a soothing tongue, and if you do that simple thing, that will change your relationships in a profound way. Another way to bring about a soothing tongue is to say the most important word, sorry. Not sorry you're offended or sorry but I couldn't help it. You know, no, no, sorry, just sorry. Some of us say sorry too quickly because we're sort of like, oh, sorry, 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 let's just move on, right, try and sweep it under the rug, that's a problem. And some of us never say sorry. You're a sinner. I'm a sinner. All of us need to say sorry. And it's, I'm sorry for, I should not have done. There's no excuse for the way I treated you, what I said, I'm sorry. Those words are soothing tongues. The goal, friends, is not, well, we don't fight. You know, in our relationship, we don't fight. I think, what the heck, right? Unless unless you're pumping happy gas into your place, you're going to fight, right? The goal is sanctified fighting. A soothing tongue, that brings life. But it's not just reactive, it's proactive. You know the words, those bad words that are said to us? They stick. But it's amazing what good words do, yeah? Words of encouragement that build you up. 2023, there are going to be many opportunities that you can use your tongue to bless others. Proverbs 16, verse 24 said, Gracious words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. I need a volunteer. He's a volunteer. He's not allergic to honey or a vegan, right? That's the only criteria. He's a volunteer. Ewan, come up. I have some honeycomb here, some legit honeycomb straight from the beehive. And so what I want you to do, it's a very simple thing. Come up on stage. I just want you to have a bite. And what's one word that describes... Oh, you can. Oh, no, I, I, I can feed it to you, but you can, you've got the other hand. What's a word that describes that taste? Sticky. Sticky. What's another word? Delicious. Delicious. What's another word? Blank. Blank. Any other words? Um, what is it? Out of sore tongue. A soothing. There you go. Thank you. They're good words. Let's give them a round of applause. If you've never had honeycomb before, it's quite good, but it's soothing. It's delicious. It's sticky, as my fingers will attest to. But it's, you only need a little bit. You only need a little bit. If I gave you the whole thing to eat right in there, you'd be sick. Right? You only need a little bit. And it's amazing what honeycomb does. It's like honey just sort of goes into you. Whew, gives you a bit of energy. When gracious words come to you, when someone says positive words, it's amazing what that does. You only need a little bit, but it gives you life, sweet to the soul, healing to the bones. So let's get practical. Let's think about different life stages that you're in, because the reality, here's a friend, here's the reality. The closer that you are to the people in your life, the less likely you are to use gracious words. So when it comes to those of you who have parents who are alive, How do we use gracious words when it comes to our parents? Whatever stage you are in your life, you love your parents, but let's face it, parents can be annoying. You're young, and the kids in the room will experience, your parents, too controlling. You're middle-aged, your parents, too much advice. 
You've got older parents, they're too needy. And when it comes to training the tongue, it's saying words to your parents like, I love you. I'm thankful for. I know what you've given up. Now, in some contexts, that might be very foreign because that's not what's done in your family. As soon as you start speaking positive words, they're probably thinking, well, how much money do you need, right? <laughs> what have you done? But you as an individual can shape your family and speak, I want to honour my parents, honour my mother and my father, the words that you say. There's words to be said there. For those of you who are married, the default in the law and I'm sure when it comes to your tongue and marriage is to complain about your wife, to complain about your husband when hanging out with your friends. That's a normal conversation, to whinge and to moan and complain. Training your tongue is saying, you know what? I'm not going to go with what everyone else is doing and I'm going to withhold and I'm not going to do, fill the air with whinging and complaining. I'm going to be honest, but I'm going to honour my spouse even when they're not in the room. Nothing to say is in this. It is so easy to just go with emotions and take your wife or your husband for granted and to not do what you used to do when you started dating or first got married and to say things like, I love you, I appreciate you, I find you beautiful, I find you sexy in this way, I really I loved it. You know, words dry out. And if words are drying out, your marriage will also be drying out. But it's amazing what words can do to slowly drip, drip, drip to bring life back into your marriage. You might be thinking, yeah, but they don't deserve it. Remember, these are gracious words, right? Grace. When it comes to those of you who have kids, your kids are listening more than you know. Particularly the younger ones, they are listening to more than you know. And it's so easy to focus on speaking positively about the way they dress or their achievements, they're good at soccer. But you, training your tongue is saying, I'm going to affirm them in what really matters, and that's character. Saying, you know when you were kind to that girl? That was a really beautiful thing to do. You know when you didn't hit back at that boy who, who was really mean to you? That showed strength. And can I just say, if you've got adult kids, they need to hear positive words from you too. It's not just when they're little. They need, as adults, to hear the words love and care, what you've noticed, what you see. They may be doing things that you think, what the heck are they doing? They still need words like honeycomb. To the kids in the room, you are going to start school next week, right? And you have your back-to-school packs, right? Your bag, you've got your, uh, your lunchbox, your pencil case, but you also have this thing here. And you have the opportunity, when it comes to school, there's going to be a whole bunch of new kids in your class, in your school, and they're going to be nervous. But what you can say to them, saying, it's good to see you. Hi, my name is James. Don't say that. You say your name, right? <laughs> can we play together? Can we hang out? Those words, you will bring a lot of warmth and love to that person by the words that you say. So if you bring nothing else but your tongue and a tongue that's going to help others and be kind to others, that is a very important thing. Friends. All of us have friends. Well, hopefully. Unlike family, where you can't choose your friends, you know, you get what you get, you don't get upset, you can choose your friends. And often we take them for granted. You know, they're going to have a birthday this year. 
Use that birthday as an opportunity to share with them what you appreciate about them. Whether a text, a card, to their face, take the moment to share, this is what I'm thankful for you and what the blessing you've done in my life. Now, some of you are thinking, look, James, I just don't have the gift of encouragement. This is not me, you know. I'm not a words kind of person. And some of us have the gift of encouragement. I mean, my mate of mine, Alex, he has a gift of encouragement, and he's always, like, encouraging me. There was one time where I thought, you know, I'm going to encourage him, right? I'm going to... And so I went to him and said, Alex, I'm really thankful for this. And he said, oh, James, I just want to say thank you for taking the time to come and encourage me. That meant the world. And I'm like, oh, thank you. No, wait. No, there's some people who are just really good at it, right? But all of us have the, been called by God to build one another up, to encourage one another, to wonder where God has made you to bless others with this tongue. And so let me just speak finally on us as a church family at 10 a.m. Proverbs 12 says, Anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. Every single one of us, maybe being Christian for a long time or new, will find, experience this anxiety, this doubtness, this flatness, this discouragement in our Christian walk this year. Maybe for a day, maybe for a moment, maybe for months. And it will weigh us down. You need a Christian brother or sister to come and speak God's word to you. We need one another to build us up. You know, you'll be reading the Bible and think, hey, that verse, it reminds me of so-and-so at church. That's the Holy Spirit prompting you, share it with them. And the question is, will you take that to them? You know, you'll see things in other people, growth, change. They'll say things and connect with everything. Oh, gee, that, that really meant a lot. You'll see a whole bunch of things, the way in which someone welcomes or prays. And that's the Spirit prompting you to say, hey, you've seen it, share it with them. No one can read your mind except God. We can't read your mind. There's a whole many opportunities for you to bless and encourage others in their walk. We need each other. Friends, you've given one tongue by God and many opportunities. Many opportunities that are so easy to use for death, to slander, to gossip, for division, for racism, for cruel jokes, but to bring life. Ah, that takes energy. It's costly. But there you bring honeycomb to people. You bring life to people. You bring blessing. And even the simplest of words can change someone's life. So what we're going to do now, we're all going to do this, is I'm going to give you a moment to reflect and to write. So if you've got a phone, grab out your phone, go to the notes section. If you're a kid, you've been given a welcome pack, pen, paper. If you've got a pen and paper, grab that out. We're all just going to do something for two minutes. So you need a pen and a paper or a note section. And what we're going to do is you're going to write down the names of three people in your life, a friend, a family member, and a member of church. And you're going to write those three names, and then I want you to write down something that you want to—sorry, something that you appreciate about them, something that you're thankful for them, something that you can tell them in the course of this year. So we're all going to do this in a couple of moments. We've got three people: a friend, family member, and a member of church. Write down their names, and one thing that you appreciate about them, one thing that you want to encourage with them.
As you finish that, I invite you to stand. God has given us a tongue to speak, to declare, but also to sing. And where what we do every Sunday, what we're going to do now is use this tongue to praise our God. You know, it's so easy to just not speak about God or to blaspheme his name. But as we sing together, we are training our tongues to praise God. It's so easy to go through the week and just praise ourselves, talk about ourselves. But as we sing, we are training our tongues to speak about the one who gives us life and meaning and purpose. So as we sing in one voice, that's what we're going to do. But before that, let me pray. Gracious Lord, I ask, knowing that you have given us all a tongue, and it's such a small thing, but it can shape our lives and the lives around us in profound ways. We ask that this year, for 2023, Lord, that we would be intentional about training our tongues, that we would not give up, we would not look for excuses, but, Lord, that we would use our tongues to be soothing, that we would give honeycomb, that we would bring life to the people around us. And, Lord, we ask as we look, we, we pray as we look back on this year, we'd see the many opportunities, yes, that we've hurt people, but we'd look back with greater joy and rejoicing in the fact the way that we bring life to people as a family and our friends and as a church. Just we pray in your name. Amen.